Welcome, welcome to the IBS livecast. Got quite a bit of big news going on today. But before we get started with the Oda Belcom trade, I would like to introduce to you IBS Jesus. Yo. Yeah, what's your first reaction to the Odell trade? Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you just you just think that some guys are just uh untradeable. Yeah, and 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 here's my thing as to why I think Odell fit that category. You got to think that the Giants are going to be moving on from uh from Eli Manning here soon. Um, what better way to bring in a young receipt, a uh, young quarterback, is to, like to have him with uh, Shepard, uh, the Ingram guy who's got talent. You're breaking up a little bit. You're breaking up a little bit. Um, go ahead. Yeah, you're still breaking up. See if you can uh, see if you can call back, maybe. I don't know, or move to another room or something like that. But I'll take over to you. Yeah, I I don't understand the move. I think Gettleman has uh, taken the role of worst GM in the entire National Football League. I don't understand what the game plan is. Uh, you let uh, Olivia Vernon go. Now you're letting Odell go. You let Landon Collins go. So I guess they're rebuilding, but at the same time, you have Eli Manning on the roster. I don't understand what they're trying to do. Odell went for a first, a third, and Jabril Peppers. I, I just don't – I mean, I guess you got value for him, but what's the point? Other things I've seen is that uh, Gettleman doesn't want to deal. He doesn't want to make trades during the draft, I guess because he feels like his, he's already decided and he's always right about players. This just strikes me as odd. You just signed Odell Beckham last year to an extension. Why would you magically trade him? Was he a big distraction? From the Browns side of things, it's good. It automatically makes you a Super Bowl contender. Odell, the only risk is Odell is pretty injury prone. He's missed quite a quite a few games over the last few years, and that would be the one thing that I'd be worried about. But other than that, it's a home run for the Browns. They basically have their team loaded because they uh, established their line is really good. They signed – who they signed? I think they signed Sheldon uh, Richardson from the Jets. They signed him, and they already have Peppers. And so the line is very deep. You've got the defense in general is, is good. you got Freddie Kitchens in the offense. Now you have Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, and Odell Beckham. That that's that's a formidable lineup. That's quite the formidable lineup. I think the expectations will be really high for the Browns now. I don't know if they can live up to these expectations they have now. So it should be interesting to see with all the pressure on the Browns for the first time and God knows when, are they gonna be able to step up and meet expectations? Let me put the uh Thing out here on Facebook, and we're gonna to try to get Alan back in. Yo, I'm here. There he is. All right. Am I still? Am saying. I still breaking up? No, you're good now. All right. I was gonna say, 
stupid Comcast. But I was saying that um, you just it just seems weird that you would dump your your most reliable offensive weapon and you're going to be bringing in a young quarterback. It just doesn't. It just seems like a complete like overall overhaul, and I don't know if the uh, the Giants really needed that, but it is what it is. Um, I just want to point out that uh, Tom Coughlin, for all his greatness, like Giant fans tried to tell us over the last two, three years and throughout their little Super Bowl runs about how great he is and the football money is, that whole organization has, has put their stock into Eli partially because of Coughlin, especially towards the latter part of his career, and it's really jacked up the Giants organization. Eli Eli should have been he should have been had the boot. And and once again we're seeing another casualty of the Eli Manning investment. Yeah, I, I don't understand. And this is a classic situation. Everybody, a lot of people on IBS, a lot of fans, they worship the draft and they're constantly saying, No, I wouldn't give draft picks up for so and so. I wouldn't give a first round for so and so. I wouldn't do this. You got a guy. And don't – I know people will get mad, but it's pretty obvious to me. you got a guy that's a Hall of Fame talent, and you're going to trade him away for a first and a third. Forget that debate about Amari Cooper. You've got, this is Odell Beckham. I don't think a first and a third are going to get it done. Yeah, you can't replace that. <laughs> you can't. We're talking yeah, about – I don't know what, how – I mean, it, let's be like you said. You don't you don't want to call it what it is, you know, because you know some people get mad. But he's a generational talent, not because of that one catch, just his overall skill set. It's hard to find that in a draft, let alone somebody that that you own the rights to from start to finish, you know. And they just gave him his uh, extension. It's just it's just weird, man. And the thing about it is, these are great moves by Gettleman, and I'm being sarcastic. Um, you got last year, they could have gotten a quarterback. Instead of not getting a quarterback that you could have paired, cause they had the, what, they had number, they had number one pick. So not that I'm against Saquon Barkley, but you could have got, no, they had number two. You could have got Darnold. You had your choice of quarterbacks at the Baker. You had Darnold. You had Rosen, I guess you still could have got. And who was the other quarterback they could have got? Uh, I Josh Allen. They could have got John yeah, Allen, Allen. They could have got Rosen. They could have got Donald. Yeah. So you could have had a young quarterback to pair with Odell and going into the future. Now you've gotten rid of Odell. You have $21 million in dead cap for the next two years. And you got Eli, Saquon Barkley, and I have no idea who is starting at wide receiver now. I mean, it's got to be, uh, is it Shepard? Uh, the kid from um, I forgot where he came from, but Shepard and uh, the tight end that they got Ingram that they they basically use as a receiver. I mean, they got to be the two main targets. Yeah, it's gonna be tough. And we got a caller. And now on the other side, go ahead. I was gonna say we got a call. I haven't had a chance to screen it, but uh, we got a caller. That's let him on in. All right. Let's see. Seven oh two six oh six. Who is this? Is this Lugan? Hey, it's Joe H G. What's up, guys? Oh, How are you doing? God. What's up? Man? I gotta <laughs> save your number so I know not to answer. Hey, yeah, man, you gotta know now. I'll be yeah. calling every week. 
I like that. But uh, listen, I, I the Odell trade is crazy. I had to step away from family dinner to come call you guys about this. I mean, it's just it's <laughs> know, it's wow. insane. It's insane, but I think uh, it's completely worth it. I mean, uh, I, I really don't understand um, what Gettleman's doing at this point. Um, I think I saw just over from five different players like Beckham, Vernon, uh, Snacks Harrison, um, Eli Apple, and somebody else, they've got like uh, some, over $30 million, $32 million in, in a dead cap just from guys they've gotten rid of in the past, traded away in, in some form or fashion uh, in the past season. I mean, it's just I really don't understand what's going on in New York. Um, I kind of thought they were going to turn it around. I made fun of the Saquon pick, but obviously he's a generational talent. But here you had another one, like you guys said before. Uh, you had your hands on him. I mean, you had you had him extended. Now's the time. Uh, I mean, do whatever you got to do to make – to make you've got the weapons, so to make it work. I mean, I don't, I don't know what's going on there. I mean, I can tell you what I think is going on. I mean, just off the names that you you drop that are gone, um, it's just clear to me that um, it's a culture change that they're trying to do. They're trying sure. to get rid of get rid of all these guys that I I don't necessarily want to say that they're they're uh, cancers or bad locker room guys, but they're trying to sure. bring in guys that they think is, is going to work. They're just trying to change the face and, and build the team based off what they envision. And most of the old guard kind of resembles Coughlin's era, and, and, and I think they're just trying to get past that and, and look to the future. Now, the way they're going about it, I don't know if I would do that, but it's still, right. like, to me, the first thing you should have did was, was not invest in Eli. You should have got rid of him first. Um, but this this is what it is, I guess. I uh, do you feel do you like think, that? Joe, I mean, what do you think about the Browns? Let me get you a question, Joe. What do you think oh, about sure. uh, the prospect of the Browns next year? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think that anybody is. I first of all, I think the trade was was the perfect value for for what you're asking for that type of talent at his age. Um, you know, contracts aside, I think it's perfect, but they've you know they really haven't lost anybody major in free agency and you've picked up uh Richardson you've picked up uh, obviously Olivier Vernon through the trade and and now i mean you've got to say that they've got the best one two tandem wide receivers in the league it's i mean it's got to be um with a quarterback who just broke Peyton Manning's touchdown record rookie touchdown record in fewer games um you know, you've got a guy that that I think can be, you know, that's clearly he can be the guy. I don't know if he's going to be like a, a top 10 running back next year, but Nick Chubb has is, is got all the talent that you need. I mean, that offense looks great. Um, I, I don't know who – I actually don't know off the top of my head who their defensive coordinator is going to be, but, um, you know, if, if everybody fits that scheme, I mean, they look dangerous. I, I don't I don't know – I think it's clear that they're the winners in, in the AFC North, barring some crazy injuries or setbacks or something going horribly wrong. Um, we know who's got a playoff spot. The Steelers. Yeah. <laughs> we know who's yeah. the Steelers. I, right. I mean, know. yeah. And, and I mean, I, I believe in the Ravens as a, as a team, as a drafting team. So I think they're going to be fine. But I think you're really competing for second place at this point in that division. Um, I don't. I don't see any way that that 
I, I just don't see any way that anybody's beating them, barring an injury or something crazy happening to Baker Mayfield or, or Odell or something like that. What about you, Alan? Where the uh, you think the what's the Browns' feeling this year coming up? I mean, they've got to know there's blood in the water, man. I mean, this is this is the time, man. I, I mean, go full Brutus, stab all these dudes in the back, take it over. This is their division now, and if if they don't win it this year, I'll I'll allow this one this one hiccup because they are a young team, and this would yep. be uh, most of their like you know so, well Baker's sophomore year. And we tend to yep. see quarterbacks have a little bit of a setback their sophomore year. So I will allow this one year as a freebie. But if they're not winning the division next year, if they're not uh, making the playoffs as a wild card team or competing uh, all throughout this uh, next two years, then it's a failure to me. So um, my expectations are high. Vegas' expectations are pretty high, too, as they got them uh, now at nine wins. So um, I think as a as a team – They'll embrace that. These young guys seem to be up for the challenge. They were up for the challenge last year, and I think this is just more fuel to their fire. I what agree. Do you, uh, since you're on here, Joe, you're a Redskins fan, right? Yes, diehard, unfortunately. Long pause, <laughs> long pause. Oh. <laughs> what do you think of the college signing? Um, so we were talking about culture before. I think that it was something the Redskins desperately needed to bring Collins into the fold or somebody like Collins into the fold, um, to sort of secure their culture. Obviously there is a lot of problems going on in that locker room, um, with DJ Swearinger, with Mason Foster, with other guys like that, um, not really feeling bought in. And as far as, you know, uh, lead by example type players, um, from the defensive position, I don't know there's really, as far as young guys are concerned, Landon Collins has got to be up there. Um, he produces pretty consistently. I Obviously, I don't think he was used in the right way um, last year, and that led to, to him sort of, you know, getting used out there in coverage in ways that he shouldn't have been, and he got burned. Um, my first reaction was, oh, my God, this is terrible. But um, I, I think that people are paying a price – a high premium for defensive players this year. I mean, Preston Smith, who I don't think is worth that at all, is getting nearly as much as uh, as Collins is. Mosley's contract, you know, looks like it's above $16 million a year. So if you're talking about a guy who's going to be a consistent leader, depending on how they use him, um, I think it's kind of wait and see for me. Uh, I'd like to see him uh, used as a dime linebacker or yeah, dime linebacker or like a third safety option on third downs. If they sort of use him that way and he's playing in the box, you know, on first and second downs, I think that they can get a lot more value out of him. We'll kind of, I still don't believe in our defensive coaching staff right now. So, so we'll see as far as that's concerned. What did you think of case before we let you go? Well, a lot of people, seem a little disappointed by the case Keenum uh what do you think um i i mean it's it's not what you want it's it's not uh it's it's definitely not enough but as far as moves that could be made with the cap space that we have um it's clear that guys like teddy bridgewater or other options like that um weren't going to obviously he didn't want to come and you know start for anybody he'd rather be a backup for the saints and that's you know good for him um if he knows that's what he's what he wants to do uh, and so I think that that's the most that the Redskins could possibly afford with a guy like Case Keenum. 
So at least there's going to be some competition. Um, I, I do think that we'll see somebody drafted this year. I really have no idea what the Redskins are going to do in the draft at this point. Um, I, I will stick to my pick from last week, and I do think they're going to, um, they're going to start to lean more towards uh, defensive guys in the first round because I think that, um, that there's not going to be the, the quarterback options that they're looking for. So, uh, so probably going to see somebody drafted in the second or third round unless there's like a Drew Locke waiting for you at 15. Um, I, I don't see them moving up. There's too many holes to fill. Thank you, Joe. Always very intelligent calls. We need calls like that. We had a good week last week. Yeah, calling every week, Joe. Uh, you got anything else to say about Beckham, Allen? I, well, I got to get character. Abby, is you, no. you got anything else to say about <laughs> Beckham? Or you want to go to the free no. agency? It, I mean, it is what it is. I, I hope he, he balls out um, in Cleveland. And I hope people don't don't bring up this old silly stuff like he's not a team player or or his selfish diva attitude because, you know, as we saw uh, with Antonio Brown, nobody's going to outdo that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, uh, before we get into the free agency, what did you think of all of that? Or not even what you think of all that. Let me direct the question a little bit more specifically. Do you he's created a template that other star players can follow? I mean, it all depends, man, because um, – Honestly, I think he was he he basically called the Steelers bluff and and showed everybody that the the organization isn't what it used to be. I feel like the Steelers have been through this before with other receivers and other uh, premier players, and they've handled it in house. They have more control, and you can blame some of it on Tomlin, but just the ownership all the way down. Like this, it's a different culture now. I mean, for the Roonies to meet with this guy and stuff like that, when do we ever hear about the Roonies coming out of their office to meet with the player, you know? Like, we don't, we never heard about that stuff. It used to be that the Steelers did business the Steelers way, and if you didn't like it, you can leave. And that was for anybody, 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 especially receivers, San Antonio Holmes. One and that might Super show Bowl, the problem Bob. right there. Like you're saying, Bob. that might show the problem right there that they capitulated to Antonio Brown the whole time he was there. Even when he wanted to leave, they they just gave up their culture to give in to him. And, of course, they gave in to Big Ben, too. But And they tried to give in to both of them, which they couldn't do because eventually they came with odds of each other. Yeah. And, um, and, and just – just off of that being a template, I think it just depends on what team you're trying to do that with. It's not going to work on a lot of these teams. A lot of these teams will really, like, they, they're just not going to go for it. Um, Antonio had a, had a good situation, though, because he, he would have been, or he is, I think he's hitting them hitting them pretty hard on their on their dead cap still. Don't, I think they're yeah, still going to pay him. Yeah, so – so that kind of that kind of put him in a bind too, because it's like you don't really want to let him go, but you don't want to, you know, you can't you can't figure out. Like it just got to a situation where they, like I think I said either last week or in our chat, they had to save face one way or another. Like it went so far gone that they just had to save face, and then they come out losing twice. Basically, you you lost your best player, and you still don't have the respect of the league anymore. I don't I don't feel like the Steelers won in this situation. They were better off just keeping them and having them disgruntled at this point, I guess. But now it's, it's a lose-lose for them. Um, and it's it's one of those things where I think um, Randy Moss said it best. If you're A-B talent, you can try. If you're not A-B talent, no way. 
And it is. He did use the NFL, I mean, the NBA model other than making all that noise. NBA players are more discreet other than Jimmy Butler. But oh, what's the, they said uh, some information on the Odell trade. Browns get five years for $77 million. Not sure how much guaranteed it is, but it's just a contract he said last uh, last year. But on the, on the Antonio Brown thing, the NBA template outside of him causing so much of a ruckus. But, like, he almost forced them into a trade. Then he said he'd retire if he would go to Buffalo. So you force the team to trade you. And then once everybody knows that you have to get traded, the value is not as great. So you can dictate because the team gets desperate. And I remember back in the day, a great player did that, and he had to retire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely I go call. Definitely. I go call this right, name. I'm pretty sure we all remember. We all remember there was a great special player who pulled that same stunt. Well, you trade me, I'm gonna retire, and they said, "Have a great life." <laughs> all right, let's go to the uh, the best and worst of free agency. You're doing the best. And I'm doing the worst. Oh, I thought I was doing the worst. Well, shoot. If I'm doing the oh, best. Oh, 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 oh. You are doing the worst. You are doing the worst. You're, you're right. doing the worst. So, I, I forgot. I messed it up. All right. So do the worst first. So the worst for me is actually probably going to surprise you because as much as I want it to be the the, um, <laughs> the Washington Redskins, I got to go with my squad, man, the 49ers. Why are we paying Quan Alexander top-tier money, man? Quan Alexander That's is tough. not good. He's not good. Yeah, when I say he's football. not good, he's, he's the linebacker that when you watch the film session, you point – like you use him as the example of what not to do. And and I'm not – and this is this is coming off, of, I think, an ACL injury or something like that. That's even yeah, worse. Yeah, coming off ACL. That's, that's even worse. And and the 49ers is an organization going back to the uh, bulky days. We know all about these ACL injuries. They do not work out for us. They don't. Guys don't, <laughs> like, come off these injuries and play well for us. It just doesn't happen. So, I mean, and we're paying them a lot of money. And, and I get it. We're desperate for linebackers. But this draft is deep at that position. Unnecessary amount of money spent. Better off spending it somewhere else. So I'm going to dock the 49ers here with the worst uh, pick for production and financial reasons. And one other thing about him, Quan Alexander, is he misses. He, he takes false steps. He overruns plays. And he misses tackles. I think during his time in the league, uh, Pro Football Focus has him missing the most tackles during since he's coming to the league. Yeah, if you're a linebacker and you can't tackle, I got nothing for you. Yeah, that that's the problem. All right, who else you got? Um, then um, we can go with the Washington Redskins uh, for the simple fact that the Washington Redskins have moved the market once again, and and this dates back to the Kirk Cousins uh, deal and the double franchise that they put on Kirk Cousins. The Washington Redskins are ruining football uh, business. <laughs> they just they're just doing it. I'm I'm just being honest, man, and. If you give me a chance, I'll explain it to everybody. Before Kirk Cousins got double tagged, he wanted around 19 to $20 million, right? They franchised him the first time. I think they franchised him for about 19 The second time, it was about 20 21 I think. Then his market value became like $22, 23000000 uh, They let him go, and then a team reached 
because most people who get franchise tag, they're not going to take that same deal unless it's long. I mean, take that money unless it's long term, right? So they give Kirk Cousins basically his franchise tag price, but extend it for like five, six, seven years, however many long years he got. And then the guarantee got way up. It got boosted way up, right? So now everybody's getting 80, 90 million dollar guarantees and stuff like that for quarterback, all right? Fast forward. We have a safety who is very limited in coverage, so limited that we don't know if he's a linebacker or free safety or a strong safety. We don't know what his position is. He's a hybrid, apparently. If you read up on him, he's a hybrid. Um, I understand what Joe was saying about scheme maybe playing a part in his lack of coverage ability, but I didn't um, get a chance to cut him off. I just want to say, Joe, if you're listening, they said the same thing about him when he was a free safety when he first came into the league, and then they switched <laughs> to the strong safety, and it's the same complaint, bro. It ain't the position. It ain't the scheme. He's just not good at covering. He would like to say, well, they didn't really ask me to do that, Bama, and people don't know what they're talking about. Bro, listen, this has been a complaint about Landon Collins since Landon Collins has been Landon Collins, okay? So it ain't going to change. He ain't going to get better at it, all right? With that limitation, I don't understand why you would pay him almost double his market value. He was marketed uh, value-wise at $8 million a season, and he's now going to make $14 million. Now, what that does to the market is you got somebody with limitations like Landon Collins making $14 million. You know who the last safety was to make almost $14 million a year when he was at his peak? Eric Berry. Now, if you're telling me Landon Collins <laughs> yeah. is as good as Eric Berry, now think about what you're doing. Uh, Honey Badger is making $14 million now, but Honey Badger doesn't have those kind of coverage limitations, and he's not afraid to play in the box. That's kind of what you're looking for if you're looking at $14 million. You're not looking at Landon Collins. So, again, Washington Redskins are overall losers. They're jacking up the league. They're doing it again, and there's nothing we can do about it. Yeah, that, that's just tough. They're doing what they're doing. I'm not sure what the direction are they rebuilding? Are they trying to win now? I'm not sure. I guess the draft will show us. But when you're signing a player like Collins, you're saying we're trying to build a foundation to win. Are they just trying to be 8-8? Eight and eight? My theory about the Redskins is they just want to get 7-9, 8-8 so they can say, you know, we're trying to their fans. But without trying to go all the way down and rebuild and then just trying to stay, like, above water, you actually aren't doing anything. You're just good enough to not get great picks and not bad enough to get great picks. So, and it's still going to be this malaise with the fans. Do you have another um, another worse one? Um, not off the top of my head. I mean, guys are getting paid uh, based off of the, the just the market in general, I guess. I mean, nobody else has been really, really trash besides those couples. I mean, you could make an argument that Trey Flowers got overpaid a little, but I mean, I can also make an argument that Trey Flowers earned it. So, yeah, you also could make. I mean, they paid. They did definitely pay him, but it's kind of, it's kind of a scheme fit. I so that's a good segue. I have him still based on the scheme fit, based on New England and Detroit running the same defense. Which, if you watch the film, the the blueprint for how to beat the Rams was given by Matt Patricia, basically, and that's how the uh, New England played the Rams. And the Rams, I mean, Detroit gave the Rams a lot of trouble. So, you know, same system, gave them problems. You got five years for 90 for Flowers, $56 million guaranteed, $40 million at signing, which I haven't heard of anything like that. Flowers last year was second in uh, as edge rushers 
in ed, with Ed Rushers in pressure situations, like getting pressure on the quarterback, easy for me to say. Second in edge rusher <laughs> pressures uh, on by PFF. I really like that uh, signing. That $40 million at the signing seems like a lot. I don't know how that hits them on the cap, but I know that gets rid of the money early on. Mm-hmm. Did you have I a mean, take on flat? Well, I guess you said maybe overpaid. No, I was going to say, you, I mean, you made you – made, you make such a valid point about the scheme fit and stuff. I mean, it's hard to argue against that. I I, I didn't even calculate uh, the fact that Patricia and, and him are familiar with one another. I didn't even consider it. I keep forgetting Patricia's the Lions coach, man. It's just the, – the, Yeah, yeah, it's easy the to Patriots, forget. The Patriots haven't changed for like – Yeah, they haven't changed for like 10 years. I'm sorry. It's hard to, to fathom that they've the got Lions somebody up there. Yeah, yeah, that too. Yeah, they got a mediocre coach. They got a mediocre team. And they have Stafford, who's mediocre. So, yeah, it's kind of like Groundhog Day for them. Another sign I like was the Jets getting Jamison Crowder. Three years, $28.5 million. I don't have the guarantees in front of me. I like Crowder. When Crowder is actually healthy, Kirk Cousins had a good relationship with Crowder. He talks about Crowder a lot to this day. Crowder can get open very quickly, and the Jets line is not good. And Sam Darnold. He kind of needs a safety net because they don't have any receivers really. But if you got a slot receiver that can get you the easy yard, then I think that's a good that's a good pickup. I agree. Uh, I think Crowder is very underrated, um, and he's the type of guy that if you're in an offense that throws the ball a lot, he's the man that's going to get open nine times out of ten. He's hard to cover uh, in space, and I don't think a lot of people want to acknowledge that because he comes from the Redskins, but. I mean, he's he's done well uh, in his time in the league, and for what's been asked of him, I think he's he's excelled. We got breaking news. I'm going to cut into my own. It's kind of funny doing this during free agency. We get all this breaking news. We got D. Ford coming to your San Francisco 49ers to get the deal to be finalized. D. Ford and the Niners agreed to a five-year, $87 million, yeah, $87 million deal. They don't have the guarantees yet, but I'm sure it'll be thirty, forty million. Eh. Thoughts, sir. I mean, I mean, I don't mind D. Ford. Um, I think he's a he's a little uh, underrated parts of the season last year because the Chiefs' defense was so bad. But up when they needed him to step up, or they needed that defense to step up, he kind of anchored that uh, pass rush. Uh, Niners are just – I mean, we need a, a pass rusher, man. We need we need a dominant D lineman that's got some athleticism and, and um, fits that 4-3 uh, scheme. And I think we've been fishing in the draft, and, and I'd rather go with what we know than keep trying to take chances on uh, on these young guys in the draft. Like, we picked up Armstead. He's a, he's a uh, one-year player. At, at football, I think he played, played like one or two years at Oregon or something like that. He came from basketball yeah. background. Like, that's not really the guys They're you go wrong. for on defense, man. It's really hard for people to transition from another sport to a defensive position. Now, offensively, yeah, like we hear about that a lot with tight ends and other other positions on offense. But, like, defense, like, you just – to me, that's a position you got to be born for. You don't just flip a switch and, like – turn it over that way, like from another sport like basketball, baseball, or anything like that, and then become a good defensive player. I, I just disagree with that. So, um, now I'm just trying to make a splash. I don't mind it. We got money to spend. It's a whole lot better than that Alexander pickup. I need to know exactly what we gave up picks-wise, but 
Hopefully nothing too crazy. All right, D Ford has a league leading eighty four pressures and thirty five more knockdowns, sacks plus hits, which also led the league with edge rushers. So he and Trey Flowers in comparison had seventy eight, JJ Watt had seventy eight, D Ford led the league with eighty four total pressures. So you're getting good value. Other than wasn't he the guy that was offside that cost him the Patriot game? Yeah, but you know, he <laughs> cost me some money that. too. But it, I'll overlook that, man. I overlooked that. That this one time, that'll be his hiccup. Hopefully, when it when it comes up for our team, he'll he'll get the game winning sack or something. Why didn't y'all get Odell, man? Why weren't y'all in the sweepstakes? No, I mean the only thing I could think of is that John Lynch is just he's just the the old school type, and he rather yeah. not spend or reach for uh, he rather not reach for like an offensive player. Like I mean he's just yeah. he comes from defense. Like that's just his his mo as a player. I think that's his mo as a, as a GM too. Like he's gonna try to go defense first. He's gonna take his leaps on defense to what he's more familiar with. So. Um, for us to not get AB or Odell doesn't surprise me, really. I found something interesting on Twitter here. John Dorsey clearly is balling as a general manager. Let's go back to his picks from 2013. Eric Fisher, mixed results. Eric Fisher, Travis Kelsey, 14, D Ford in the first round. Fisher was first, Kelsey was second. Marcus Peters, first round. Tyreek Hill, this is 2016. I'm going in order. Marcus Peters was 15. 16, Tariq Hill, fifth round. 17, Mahomes and Hunt, first and third round. 18, Baker Mayfield and Denzel Ward, first. Like, I, he's got to be the best in the game right now. And Belichick, I mean, he's coaching some of these sorry picks up, so it's not so much he's being a general manager. But Dorsey is the best in the game. I doubted him, but my God, he's on a roll. Yeah, he is. He is. I can't argue against any of that. <laughs> he's rolling. He's, he's turned That's that brown. Uh, for a second. Yeah, it's, it's giving the Browns a chance to win, man. Just, just, I mean, finding finding gold when he's when he's made those leaps. Like picking Baker last year first was to many uh, a reach, and it paid out for him. Bold. You know. Yeah. yeah. Um. Not a lot of people were were high on Mahomes as far as his ability to, to be as good as he is today. Like, that season he had last year, I don't think anybody in their wildest dreams would have imagined that he would be that good. And and you just kept waiting for an adjustment period, and it just wasn't. And then Tyreek Hill, Kelsey, like, come on, man. Like, these are, are premier players of, of today's NFL, and he picked them all. It kind of reminds me of my man uh, <laughs> that, that was too hard on the bottle over in uh, San Francisco. <laughs> I mean, he, he built the Super yeah. Bowl contender in the 49ers. He built the Super Bowl contender uh, right after that with the uh, Seahawks. And, I mean, a lot of these guys that, that we hiked during that three-, four-year span, I mean, he, he handpicked them. So um just goes to show you, like, you know, if you get a good a good front office guy, he can do a whole lot for you. Even if you have bare back. minimum coaching. Yeah, you need, yeah. Mo, um, yeah. Going back. I didn't my, <laughs> going back to my best pick or best free agent uh, signing, got Honey Badger. He's getting $14 million a year over three years. He bet on himself, took a one-year contract. 
uh, with the Houston Texans. He was good. He was healthy. He was all over the field. He was versatile. He played in the slot. He played on the right. He played on the left. He blitzed. Everything Honey Badger is, he was. Now, is he the guy the first couple of years in Arizona? No. But he's still very helpful, and he will solidify the Chiefs' defense, even though I feel like the Chiefs' defense just got weaker, so I'm not sure what they're doing. Then a guy that not a lot of people know but was very crucial in the success of the Chicago Bears' defense last year is Adrian Amos, third in PFF in safeties over the last three years. And he got $25 million guaranteed, four years, $37 million. That's good value. That's a top-tier safety. I think that's a really good move. Well, who do you go so, to? On it. So, the, so the top free agent, um, according to SportingNews.com, the NFL Free Agency 2019, lists the top 50 signings. So these are the top 50 free agents who have been signed so far. Uh, Adrian Amos and Preston Smith. Packers. Um, both went, Sorry. Yeah, they both went to the Packers. They are number four and number five in the free agency signing. So, you know, on paper, they, they're winning right now. They're winning. And that, that's that's great for that team. They they could really use some solid defensive playmakers. Um, and I'd like to see them add some more to the offense. I would love to see them get Le'Veon Bell uh, for, uh, for my man Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. But I doubt it will happen. But either way, I think that would be the perfect fit for them. A guy who can run the ball and can. Uh oh, breaking up again. That's one of your. Oh, you there? Uh oh, thought you. Think we lost you. Might gotta try it again. But that's one of your big. I told you so's for Titletown. You've always said that they needed to be more active in free agency, and finally, finally, they are. I don't know if you got a, I don't know what's going on with your connection today. You might have to call back again. But yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what you've always said, is they need to be more active in free agency because Ted Thompson had that philosophy of homegrown teams. But you can't totally do that because that means you have to be perfect in a draft. Yeah. And nobody's perfect. Who else? Are you still going down the list? Are you still going to the list of uh, free agents or. Yeah, I can still go down the list. I mean, uh, let's see, other notable names, uh, Jordan Hicks, number seven uh, on that list. He went to the Cardinals. And then, honestly, you still got one, two, three, four, five people out of the top ten not signed. Most of them are kind of older players, though. Uh, Excluding Le'Veon Bell, who's uh, number three on the list. You got Earl Thomas and Dominic Sue. Uh, They're kind of on the the tail end of their careers and and probably – going to end up being later picks uh, once their value goes down because both of those guys are in positions that are getting overvalued on the market right now. I don't think people want to pay overvalued money for older players. Yeah. Uh, So finally, we're going to move off of that a little bit. And gosh, there's just so much news today. Serge Ibaka, you saw the Serge Ibaka fight, right? Yeah. <laughs> we don't get I don't even, I was, that kind of violence in the NBA very often. But I was like, I was like, Serge, not he's not Jamaican. Don't do him like that. He's African. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we don't see that kind of aggression in NBA fights usually. Nah, nah, nah. Serge, Serge I, like I doesn't play around. 
Surrey's been doing this for the last like three, four years since him and Kerry Hilson broke up. He been on this this kick, man. My man need to get some, yo. He been he really been like wow, real tight. Like he be popping off for nothing, bro. Nothing. Like it it's like, yo, you playing a team that's got three wins. Why are you choking this man? Like, what could he have possibly said to you when you were on the ground? Like maybe Jesse was right. Maybe there are races in Chicago. Maybe that's what set Surge off. Yeah, I don't understand. Like the guy could have said something that bad. And Serge didn't even have like a media reaction. He just kinda walked, he looked down at him and it wasn't like he just he just, I mean, the guy looked down at him and he was just like Serge just went at him, but like, like he didn't jump <laughs> like you said. Like, I forgot he did like move choke this man like like that that's like an old school type choking where he grabs you, he ain't really trying to do nothing but let you know that you're not gonna disrespect him like that. Like the only reason why he threw a punch is because uh, my man threw a punch back, which should have been a natural reaction to somebody choking you. But like he wasn't gonna punch him at first. He just grabbed him by the throat, put him up against the uh, the uh, goal. Like you know what you talking about? And the dude swung and then Serge swung back. But yeah, this ain't this ain't Serge's first scuffle, man. This, he been doing this for a while. He popped off on Russell Westbrook uh, when he was in um, OKC. It's just it wasn't a, a, a tele- televised game. But um, I was watching it. I'll never forget it. I was watching it on um, on the little app, and uh, Corey was watching it too. And Russell said something to him, and Ibaka literally stopped and turned around and flexed on him, like, say it to my face. And Russell was like, uh, uh, and then Durant got between <laughs> him and broke it up. up. But I'm telling you, like, he never, um, he never like, disrespected him after that. Like, he punked Russell. Like, he'd been on this. He'd been like this for a while. I just think because – because he's the quiet type, people don't realize it. But dude been trained to go for a minute. You mentioned Westbrook. What Does the NBA need to do something? Do they have a problem with their fans, or do we just have a problem with Westbrook going to Utah? No, it's not just the NBA. It's 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 all over sports culture, man. Like, like I get it. We we as fans criticize. We, we, we say things um, – you know, that you probably wouldn't say in some people's faces. I'll give you an example. I hate Riddick Bowe. I think Riddick Bowe is a clown. Never like Riddick Bowe. I ain't saying nothing to Riddick Bowe when I see him, but what's up, champ? I ain't trying to catch them hands, man. <laughs> Riddick Bowe's a big dude, and them hands still active. And if he touch me, I'm done. I'm asleep. That's just how it is. Um, a lot of people feel like there's this imaginary line that can't be crossed because they're a fan and this person is a player. But there's no price you can put on disrespect, man. And and people have to understand that. Now, I don't know what people think is disrespectful. Like, what sets me off might not set you off. We're two different people. But you have to understand that there are certain things that are off limits, like family, automatic. You should never talk about somebody else's family. Uh, you should never wish injury on somebody. You should never uh, laugh at somebody's misfortune if they do get injured, you know? Um for the most part, everything else is kind of fair game, but you got to think about what you're saying and who you're saying it to and when you're saying it. So this ain't Russell's first brush up with the fan. Uh, luckily, he hasn't won in the stands yet. But, uh, I mean, we've seen it in college with Marcus Smart. We've seen it uh, in the NFL with Marcus Peters. Uh, we're, we're seeing it uh, in, the, in, in soccer. I know you don't really watch soccer, but, dude, we had two incidents this weekend where fans came on the field and attacked players, bro. Like really came uh-huh. on the field, took the ball from the dude, and swung at him. Like one of them just got a, one of them got arrested. But like this is this is happening more frequent than people realize, 
And if something needs to be done on a, on a global scale from sports, they need to really address this. Um, it, maybe we need to think about moving seats further back from the action. If people can't control themselves. Yeah, they themselves, are really close to the NBA. Yeah, They're and, so and it's like. And that kid touched Westbrook, let me, a week ago, and everybody thought it was yeah. cute. But, like, you're you're surrounded by all these people, and you just feel a touch. You don't know who that is. So there needs to be, especially, in the, well, I mean, they don't have enough security. Maybe they need to hire more security. Maybe the NBA needs to provide yeah. it. Maybe the other league needs to provide it because they don't have nearly enough security. You're never going to have enough security for the crowd, but there needs to be enough security to say, hey, you're thrown out of here. And it can't be, it's got to be somewhere, like, it can't be as weak as what Kevin Durant gets mad over, but it can't be as bad is what Russell Westbrook got mad over. Yeah, and I'm not mad about the way he handled the kid situation either. Like, I thought that was appropriate. Like, he wasn't threatening the dad or anything. He's just letting him know, like, yo, get your son. Like, you're responsible for him. If my son smacks another grown man or something like that, I'm going to address my son and apologize to the grown man because that's inappropriate. You know, I should be watching my child. Like, your your child should, like, think about it. What if that kid runs on the court? And he gets run over by yep. one of these big dudes. Like, like you're responsible for your kid, you know. And for him to address it the way he did, I didn't really find an issue with it. I mean, I get it that some people are like, well, it's just a little kid touching him. But also, you just have to understand, like, he he's in the moment. He's playing the game. He's not really, like, he doesn't need to have to worry about that, like a kid touching him. And like you said, he doesn't know it's a kid initially. You don't know what's going on, especially with his track record with fans. Who's we turn around just, like, swung or – or push, push the kid without even looking, just push that whatever touched him, you know, or swatted at him without even looking and hit the kid. Then it would have been a problem. So I don't yeah, I don't agree with everything are... Russell does. I was going to say I don't agree Go with ahead. everything he does personality-wise, but I think uh, I think that the situation with the kid was handled appropriately. I'm not sure the full details on what happened with the fan in Utah, but I'm along with Shannon Sharp's logic that he wouldn't have reacted that way. Uh, if that dude didn't say something that he considered inappropriate. Yeah. And the Jazz had banned this fan, issued an apology, yeah. and so I guess they tried to handle it. I know he had some questionable stuff on his website. He said, that, well, Westbrook said, he said, get back on your knees like you used to or something like that. He said, I said, you better ice your knees. So <laughs> I somehow doubt that that's what yeah. happened, that guy's version of it. And I'm sure they might have found other people around that heard it if they're going to ban the guy. But what I, but the leagues are running the risk of something really bad happening like the Malice of the Palace. So I think they need to nip it in the bud right now. People are more tense than they used to be, and they're more willing to take out their frustration on these athletes because society as a whole is more tense. I'm not going to blame, blame that on leadership, but what does it say? Attitude reflects leadership? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's tense times, man. Like people, people like they're funny because they want the old NBA and they want more uh, emotion. But you you gotta understand, like emotion with the '80s and '90s players didn't have the same collateral as emotion is gonna have with these these new generation guys, man. Like <laughs> it's a different ball game. Yeah. Right? So when when Russell Westbrook, excuse my language, when Russell Westbrook tell you that he gonna fuck you up and your wife, he mean it. Like, he really mean it. You're really running that risk right now. I don't know what you said, but you're yeah. really running that risk. 
You n- you never saw that back in the day. Like it'd be dudes threatening other dudes, but it was never collateral like that. But these young dudes don't care about that stuff, man. That's just not. That's just the culture that we in now. They don't care. So you really run in the risk. And like you said, the NBA got to address that. And the thing is, I don't know how much people know about black people. This this podcast should be a lot. But when a black person says, "On everything I I love," that means men <laughs> are coming soon. Like, yeah. if you say on everything I love, man, that's it. That's like, you ready. So that yeah. dude could have possibly been in I, trouble. All right, moving I mean, on like, to the light affair. Yeah. Go ahead. Moving on to light affair. J-Lo, which I don't keep track of this, <laughs> but they said she had one less ring than Brady and Jordan. So evidently she's <laughs> been engaged five times. I, I can't hate on Alex. He's the man. But I know you don't feel the same way. Nah, man, Alex, A-Rod is a tool, man. And I don't even like using that word, but it's the only way to describe him, honestly. That's just what he is. Whatever whatever saltines think a tool is, from what I've un- what I've learned in my studies of saltinisms, he he fits that bill 110%. Um, oh, he definitely is. The, the fact that, that J-Lo is on her sixth or fifth engagement is incredible. Uh, you would think at some point somebody would realize that she's just not the type to to settle down with. But um, one thing I want to ask is how she how she how she get engaged. To, so I was looking, and I know people are like, what is he talking about? So I was looking at J Lo's uh, uh, list of engagements, right? And so they were talking about the prices of the rings, right? I'm trying to figure out how she how she like hang out with these backup dancers. Like one of the dudes' ring was like four hundred thousand, but everybody else's ring is like <laughs> one point eight million. So I'm like, I'm like, how did he even get his chance, man? Plumbing. Like, he was coming Four hundred k. You he might have been able to dance. That might that might as well have been a ring pop, man, compared to what she'd been used to get. <laughs> I don't know, but um. I will say this: J Lo has given every every man a chance, from from the little man to the big man. So, um, if it don't work out with her and uh, Alex Rodriguez, there's hope for for any of us out there. Honestly, I don't know exactly what you got to do, but you got a shot because she did she'd have been up and down the the economical ladder. She ain't really a uh, gold <laughs> digger, that's for sure. Did uh, did she get engaged to Diddy or they just dated? Uh, they just dated. Yeah, they just did. Yeah, he would have tried. He made songs to her three years after he got dumped. So uh, <laughs> he would have tried. Man, golly. Diddy, if you ever listen to this podcast, just know our story of the day, even over the Odell Beckham story, is that Aunt Becky might be going to jail. Aunt Becky from <laughs> Full House, if y'all, haven't, <laughs> if y'all haven't heard the story, basically – these rich people, including Felicity Huffman of Desperate Housewives and some other stuff, but uh, that's where probably she's most known from. So she's a really good actress. But they were trying to get their children into schools like USC. There's a whole big scandal, USC, Wake Forest, which seems odd. USC, Wake Forest, Princeton, Harvard, all these schools. And so they gave money to the sports programs, and they pretended that their daughters and sons were athletes and they got in on academic scholarships, or they they lowered the standard. I don't even think they got a scholarship, but they let them on the academic standard, and they counted them as athletes so they could get in in school. And you know things. I don't know what the feds are doing, 
like I'm not getting into politics, but all this stuff, they're going after all these Trump people that don't even have to think, do with the investigation. They're going after the NCAA. But you got to draw the line at Aunt Becky. Yeah, this is the wildest thing I've ever seen. One is wild because I can't believe people are shocked that this is a as a thing. And two, it always amazes me the length that the federal government will go to catch people, man. Like, <laughs> like this is even crazy. Thinking? This is crazy. I, like, can't... I don't understand why, why is this an issue. Like, I guess maybe it's a public school, but why do you care? I mean, I guess they're getting the kickback, but eventually they got to pay the tuition, so who cares? And, and that's capitalism, man, people helping people that they like. They're doing things underhanded to get ahead. That's capitalism. This is the American dream. Realize right here, people, it's not hard work. It's getting ahead and using your advantages. That's the American dream, okay? <laughs> so I don't understand why they, like, people are, like, upset. And and for them to really draw, like, apparently uh, Aunt Becky was, was detained with with guns drawn or something like that. Like, come on, man. I don't really believe that, but if that's true, if that – if that's true, that's pathetic. <laughs> I hope they didn't get the helicopter like they got your boy Roger Stone. He said there Roger were helicopters, M sixteen. Uh, uh, he said there was the naval uh, aquatic force. <laughs> they treated they treated Roger Stone. They treated Roger Stone like he was Osama bin Laden. Man, that was ridiculous. Yeah, I think he said that. Bro. He said with the he you, said with the the force that it would be with Osama bin Laden. <laughs> you could have you could have knocked on the door. What's the worst that he was gonna do? He ain't gonna outrun you if he trying to run out the back. <laughs> and and I, I, like, I would think oh, you know. I would think Aunt Becky is isn't either. <laughs> but maybe yeah. I don't know. Maybe she got wheels. But Roger Stone is five a.m. As old as he is, he was already up. So could have just knocked. That's true too. Evidently, the best part of this story, the absolute best part of this story was that Aunt Becky's got a daughter, and she's a social media influencer. And if it's a woman, we all know what that means. So everybody's been checking out that account, and that's the one positive thing. If her mom goes to jail, she'll probably be even more famous. Yeah, I saw that too, and I'm trying to <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? They said she was supposed to be on the rowing team. She hadn't even, <laughs> she hadn't even touched water other than the beach. <laughs> right? Oh, is there anything else we missed? I think we got it. Action Pat, we had to adjust on the fly. Got a caller. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah, and I'm sorry for my Comcast internet. We beefing right now. I'm going to fix it, though. It's all right. It's live radio, so what happens? All right, so for the IBS Livecast, please share this so more people get to see it or get to hear it. See, I'm thinking about the video. Get to hear it. Have a good one. (laughs) All right, see